This is Utah. I'm Tom Williams. It's time to uh, compile our UPR community book list. This is one of my favorite things we do on Access Utah. It's uh, time again. We want to know what you're reading. Maybe something for Valentine's Day or Black History Month. Whatever's on your night standard device, you can send us your list right now by email to upraxcess at gmail.com. Upraxcess at gmail.com. We'll compile this list, put it up on our website at upr.org. It's where you can find these uh, books, and uh, you might find something that you'd uh, like to read. And uh, that's the whole purpose here, to uh, com- come together as a community and uh, and uh, share our love for reading. Uh, we have with us Elaine Thatcher, our usual co-host for these uh, episodes. She's going to share her list with us. Later in the program, we'll be talking with uh, Shauna from a Central Book Exchange in Sugar House and Ken Sanders from Ken Sanders Rare Books in uh, Salt Lake uh, City. And uh, shortly here, we'll be bringing on Ann Holman from the King's English Bookshop. Um, President Trump may uh, interrupt the program here. He's uh, set, we think, to give a statement on the uh, shootings in Florida. And so when the president uh, starts speaking, we'll uh, cut away to uh, him. Uh, but in the meantime, your recommendations for the uh, our community book list. Um, so let's bring in uh, Ann Holman from the King's English Bookshop. Ann, uh, welcome to the program. Hi Tom, thanks. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, so, what's top of your list? Well, I decided to focus on some Black History uh, Month books uh, for two reasons. I mean, obviously it's Black History Month, but also there were a lot of winners at the ALA Awards this um, past week. The American Library Association gave out their Caldecott and Newbery and Prince and all kinds of best books of the year, and there were a lot of wonderful African American books that that. Um, one, and so I wanted to just give a shout-out to a few of those. Two of them are poetry books, actually. One is called Out of Wonder, Poems Celebrating Poets, Kwame Alexander, and illustrated by Equa Holmes. So this is poets writing in um, the form of other poets. So, for example, um, the How Billy Collins Writes a Poem it celebrates Billy Collins, but it's actually a poem by Marjorie Wentworth. So it's introducing young people to beautiful illustrations, but also to the poetry of Pablo Neruda or Billy Collins or Judith Wright by other poets, Gwendolyn Brooks. Beautiful, beautiful pictures. And then Andrea Davis Pinckney and Brian Pinckney have a new book called Martin Rising, Requiem for a King. And they've written poetry about Martin Luther King from his earliest days as a young man through his struggles and finally until the day he died. And so it's a kind of a, a retelling of his life in the form of poetry. It's very, very pretty. Well, that does sound great. Yes, wonderful. Um, so those, are those, those just out or those have been out a while? They are. They've been out for a little while. Yeah. The ALA awards are um, books that were published in 2017, so they've been out for a little while, but not too long. Those sound very appropriate and and uh, great reads. Ah. Uh, uh, what else on your list? So then, um, a couple of picture books. One is called "Before She Was Harriet," written by Lisa Klein Ransom, illustrated by James Ransom. And it's a picture book about Harriet Tubman, but it's when she was a young girl, before she did all of the wonderful things we know her for. It's what she did <clears throat> when she was little. And again, the illustrations are just remarkable. There's so many things we don't know about some of these people. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. And then the other, the other one I have is called 12 Days in May, Freedom Ride 1961. <clears throat> this is by Larry Dane Brimner. And it's a, the story of the Freedom Riders who got on the bus in Washington, D.C. in May 1961 and rode south. And what happened to them? Um, they were beaten and um, arrested, and the bus was set on fire. It's a terrible story in our history and also an important one for young people to understand. And it's told in words and pictures that young people can understand without without frightening them too much, but also kind of giving them a sense of you know how far we need to still come. Those all sound wonderful. And, and you raise a good point, uh, and I wonder, I don't want what your sense is, are, are young people picking up this history, or is it mostly older folks just, you know, re- You know, I, I have to say a- that I think that the, um, I worked with the State History Fair for a few years, and uh, students now um, are exposed to things that we were never exposed to. You know, they all know the the stories, some of the stories of of. Uh, repression, and I'm um, Emmett Till, the Emmett Till mm-hmm. story. You know, yeah. some of those stories yeah. that I never knew before. Yes, it's, and it's 
uh, you know, they, they've recently found out that Emmett Till didn't do any of that. Yeah. He was falsely accused. Um, so, yeah, really just really important. And I, and I think that the, the stories have been out there. I think publishers are making much more of a concerted effort to bring these authors forward and publish their books and put the stories out there. Um, so, yeah, you're exact. You're, you're right. There's so much more for our young people to read than we ever had. Mm-hmm. I've interviewed uh, an author at uh, BYU who's doing some work in this field, Chris Crow, who's done some yes. some great great books uh, targeted at young people. Which yes, is, his book about yeah. Emmett Till. Well, his his fiction book about Emmett Till, and also his nonfiction book were are just remarkable, and he continues to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, what else? Well, I have to admit, we just we ran out at Christmas, but we've got more in, and I know that you guys have seen this beautiful collection of Obama photographs by his um, White House photographer Pete Souza. But we've got the book back in, and it's just so beautiful. We can't can't keep it on the shelves. We keep reordering, and hundreds and hundreds of just beautiful pictures of his his eight years in in office and. So they're back in back in the store. If anybody's That's good interested. to hear. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 Good to hear. I don't know if you've seen the presidential portrait. Just kind of veering off. I know. Uh, Isn't that fabulous? Un- it's unusual. I don't have ever guessed it. <laughs> there, I love the I love the tack they took on yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah. It it's it stands out. It's it's unusual. Yeah. Uh, do you, uh, Anne, do you have any recommendations for Valentine's? They you know love love stories. Um, <laughs> Off the top of your head, I didn't gather. I didn't yeah. gather too much in the way of love of love stories. Although I have to say, every year at Valentine's Day, our number one bestseller is a little tiny pink book. It's called One Hundred Love Poems by Pablo Neruda. Oh, it just oh, continues okay. to sell, and I think it's because it's inexpensive, and you can kind of pick it up and maybe get a box of candy or some flowers to go with it. But it's very romantic, and and his poetry is so it's so pretty and so accessible. Yeah, pa- um, Pablo Neruda. Okay, yeah. I'll yeah. Check. I hadn't thought about that, reading that for Valentine's Day. I'll have to check that out. Well, that's wonderful. Well, uh, Anne, thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. Some, you're some welcome. Uh, great suggestions there, and uh, check any of those out, of course, at the King's English uh, Bookshop. In and Salt happy Black History Month. Thanks. <laughs> you <guys> too. <laughs> Thanks, Anne. Appreciate uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. Um, we are going to, later in the program, be talking with um, a representative from a, a shop I had not been aware of. Uh, my producer, Alyssa, was uh, Central Book Exchange in Sugar House. That's great. I don't know if you've been I aware of them. I haven't yeah. been there, no. So Shauna from Central Book, Book Exchange is going to uh, join us in, uh, oh, five or ten minutes. And uh, then later in the program, Ken Sanders from Ken Sanders Rare Books uh, in Salt Lake City will join us, and he wants to share some poems. I think that's great. And I think when Ken Sanders wants to do something on the program, we, we, uh, we Ken we'll, Sanders can we'll, do. We'll go with it. Whatever yeah. he wants, yeah. <laughs> great great guy. Um, so uh, Ken will join us a little later in the program. Uh, I want to uh, get it started in. We've got... Uh, I think uh, seven responses on email right now. So I'll, I'll start reading through this list. This is uh, directly from you. And if you haven't uh, responded, we'd love to get your book list. We'd be at one book or several. Uh, what are you reading? What are you recommending? And uh, the place to get us is upraxcess at gmail.com. Upraxcess at gmail.com. First up is Arden. Arden says, Hi, Tom. I've been reading the Southern Reach Trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer. A spectacular work of fiction where the author attempts to describe the indescribable. So that's the Southern Reach Trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer. Mm. And I went to uh, Wikipedia for that. Um, 2014 award-winning trilogy of author of, uh, of novels. Apparently it's uh, set perhaps for a film. And in the series, Southern Reach is a secret agency that manages expeditions into an area known as Area X. The area is an uninhabited and abandoned section of the United States that nature has begun to reclaim. It's the main setting for the first book in the uh, trilogy. It goes on from there. So Arden recommends the uh, Southern Reach trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer. Uh, next up is Maddie. Maddie says, I'm writing The Pulse of a Hopeful Life right now by local Utah author Gina Waters. I read her latest book last year, The Winter's Song, and decided to check out her first novel. And so I went to Amazon. Here's their blurb for The Pulse of a Hopeful Life. Uh, Andrea is a fugitive of her own grief after losing a baby in a car accident five years before. She has lived in a quiet isolation until an accidental friendship with Quentin lures her from hiding and brings uh, to light a grief festering uh, from neglect. Resurfacing memories force Andrea to confront the past she left open. 
Um, so it goes on from there. So The Pulse of Hopeful Life by uh, Utah author Gina Waters. That's what Maddie recommends. That's great. What's, uh, what's on uh, top of your list? <clears throat> well, on the top, I would say, I, I want to mention, I have also been reading some Utah authors this, this time, but I'll get to those in a minute because I think the one on top of my list is American Gods by Neil Gaiman. It's, it's been out for 10 years. It, it, you know, true to my form, I always find something late. But, right. um, uh, you know, for the first quarter of the book, I, every time I sat down to read it, I thought, I'm not reading any more of this. You know, it was dark and gritty, and I just don't like dark and gritty. But then it just opened into this amazing story of all the gods that have come with people to the, to the United States, to the New World, you know, and um, how they are being forgotten. And, but it's set in such a remarkable story. I ha- it truly affected me, and I think, you know, if you haven't read that, I highly recommend it. Uh, tell us again the, the title and author. Uh, American Gods by Neil Gaiman. And it has, a, it has you know, it is dark on one side, but it also has just a note of whimsy in it, too, which... And I've never—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a hole in my reading. I've never read anything of Neil Gaiman. This know. is my first with him. Heard heard his name yep. all the time, yep. you know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, some some Neil Gaiman, great. Yeah. What's, what's next on your list? Well, I like I said, I I uh, read several relatively or totally unknown Utah authors. I'm just curious to see what I would find. Um, one is James Elliot. Now, I think he lives, like, maybe down in the San Pete area or something. Um, and uh, he's primarily a poet, as I understand. And I came across him on Facebook. And um, I read his, I think it's his first novel. It's called Dead on the Corridor. And the corridor is referring to the I-15 corridor. Oh, okay. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a novel. It's a compilation of short stories. And, um, again, pretty affecting. Every story deals with death in some way. Um, um, Not always comfortably, but very interestingly, a different perspective on on our corridor. It's... Mm. I. I liked it very much. Sounds fascinating. Yeah. And again, a, a Utah author. Yes. Yeah. James, uh, t- James Elliott. James Elliott, and the name of the book? The book is Dead on the Corridor. Dead on the Corridor. Okay. We'll get some more from your list, mm-hmm. uh, Lane Thatcher, but we bring in now uh, Shauna from Central Book Exchange in uh, in uh, Sugar House. Uh, Shauna, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, uh, it's it's great to have you. Um, I had not been aware of Central Book Exchange until my producer, Alyssa, turned me on to that. So it's, it's good <laughs> yeah. to have you. So, we actually did that a lot, I feel like. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so we're happy to help you get the word out. Tell us a little bit about, uh, about your uh, operation there. Yeah, so the store has been open since 1968. <laughs> so it's been around for oh a while. Wow, <laughs> that's, I've, that's, I've been unaware um, of it. Okay. That's really it, bad yeah. on us. Yeah. Um, our owner now, her name's Pam, she's been the owner for 12 years, um, but she bought it from the original owners back in 2005. Um, uh, Mary and Dawn were the original owners, and they had it for a long time, and it operated um, just in the heart of Sugar House. Uh, we're an exchange, so people bring us books, we give them points, and then they use the points to buy books at reduced prices, so it's kind of a interesting system we have set up which I think has kind of let us stick around among the competition of other bookstores. Yeah, uh, it's a kind of an interesting uh, offer there. So what kind of, do people tend to read new books, and then after a while, when, once they've had those, bring those in, or do you get older books coming in to be exchanged? Yeah, it's kind of a mix. I feel like since we are, we have to kind of, we don't really purchase books new, so we don't have like um, 40 copies of the newest bestseller every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But people kind of, um, because some of those bestsellers, the authors usually have um, older works or things that are similar. So if we don't have something particularly, we kind of try and steer them towards things that are similar that they would that they might like that they didn't know existed. So it's more um, older books, and we do get some newer ones in every once in a while. But we are mostly used, so, so we don't are, buy yeah. a lot of things. New. Are you uh, are you there on Twenty First South? Yeah, our address is 2017 South, 1100 East in okay, Sugar House. You know, so we're I've, right across from the soup kitchen and yes. right next door to the coffee shop there. Soup kitchen, one of my favorite places. Yeah. And I, yeah. in fact, I have seen your store. Yep. Yeah. 
it's kind of small. So when people come in, they're like, oh, I didn't know you were here. I'm like, yeah, it's because you walked by and didn't even <laughs> realize we were right there. Right. <laughs> and so you, you don't buy new books. So it's, it's all dependent on what people bring in to exchange. Yeah, so we, mm-hmm. I guess we do buy books, there, but but they're, they tend to be things like um, The Handmaid's Tale, 1984, things that are super popular at the moment that we don't have used. We'll buy in new copies. Um, Wallace Stegner, Edward Abbey, those kind of authors that stay popular no matter what kind mm-hmm. of happens. Those are more what we buy new, but it's a very, very small percentage of our entire inventory we pr- we have probably have about 90,000 books in our inventory wow um, yeah yeah well and probably like one to two percent of them are new um, okay. everything else tends to be used well it says yeah it sounds like a, a great service we're glad to Give you a little publicity yeah. here. So, so Central Book Exchange Sugar House, uh, we have Shauna with us uh, from from there. So, uh, what's uh, what's on your list? What can you recommend uh, for us? Yeah. So, I um, uh, since it's Black History Month, I recently just read the book um, "The Hate You Give" by Angie Thomas, which is a young adult book. Um, and I hadn't read a lot of young adult until I kind of someone pitched this one to me so like with such passion that I had to like immediately go out and buy it. Uh, but it's um, it's like a, a story about a 16-year-old uh, girl named Star Carter, and she kind of exists between two worlds, like the poor neighborhood where she grew up in with her family um, that experiences, like, gang violence and shootings on the daily, and then her kind of fancy suburban prep school life that uh, she attends. Uh, Shauna, we'll have to under- interrupt you. That we, we got word the president is starting to make his statement. Let's go to that, and then we'll come back. became the scene of terrible violence, hatred, and evil. Around 2.30 yesterday afternoon, police responded to reports of gunfire at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, a great and safe community. There, a shooter, who is now in custody, opened fire on defenseless students and teachers. He murdered 17 people and badly wounded at least 14 others. Our entire nation, with one heavy heart, is praying for the victims and their families. To every parent, teacher, and child who is hurting so badly We are here for you, whatever you need, whatever we can do to ease your pain. We are all joined together as one American family, and your suffering is our burden also. No child, no teacher should ever be in danger in an American school. No parent should ever have to fear for their sons and daughters when they kiss them goodbye in the morning. Each person who was stolen from us yesterday had a full life ahead of them, a life filled with wondrous beauty and unlimited potential and promise. Each one had dreams to pursue, love to give, and talents to share with the world. And each one had a family to whom they meant everything in the world. Today, we mourn for all of those who lost their lives. We comfort the grieving and the wounded. And we hurt for the entire community of Parkland, Florida, that is now in shock and pain and searching for answers. To law enforcement, first responders, and teachers who responded so bravely in the face of danger, we thank you for your courage. Soon after the shooter, I spoke with Governor Scott to convey our deepest sympathies to the people of Florida and our determination to assist in any way that we can. I also spoke with Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi and Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel. I'm making plans to visit Parkland 
to meet with families and local officials and to continue coordinating the federal response. In these moments of heartache and darkness, we hold on to God's word in Scripture. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. We trust in that promise, and we hold fast to our fellow Americans in their time of sorrow. I want to speak now directly to America's children, especially those who feel lost, alone, confused, or even scared. I want you to know that you are never alone and you never will be. You have people who care about you, who love you, and who will do anything at all to protect you. If you need help, turn to a teacher, a family member, a local police officer, or a faith leader. Answer hate with love. Answer cruelty with kindness. We must also work together to create a culture in our country that embraces the dignity of life, that creates deep and meaningful human connections, and that turns classmates and colleagues into friends and neighbors. Our administration is working closely with local authorities to investigate the shooting and learn everything we can. We are committed to working with state and local leaders to help secure our schools and tackle the difficult issue of mental health. Later this month, I will be meeting with the nation's governors and attorney generals. We're making our schools and our children safer will be our top priority. It is not enough to simply take actions that make us feel like we are making a difference. We must actually make that difference. In times of tragedy, the bonds that sustain us are those of family, faith, community, and country. These bonds are stronger than the forces of hatred and evil. And these bonds grow even stronger in the hours of our greatest need. And so always, but especially today, let us hold our loved ones close. Let us pray for healing and for peace. And let us come together as one nation to wipe away the tears and strive for a much better tomorrow. Thank you, and God bless you all. Thank you very much. President Trump there wrapping up a prepared statement delivered from the White House. So that is uh, President Trump responding to the uh, the horrible shootings in Florida, which uh, happened just uh, yesterday. We will, of course, be bringing you uh, extensive NPR coverage throughout the day and uh, in the coming days uh, on, on the shootings and the aftermath. And uh, our, our prayers go out to that community and everyone affected. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we will uh, continue compiling our UPR book list. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. Today we are compiling a UPR community book list, and we're keeping our uh, ears on the latest, uh, as evidenced by uh, taking a pause there to get the uh, president's statement on the Florida shootings. We return now to our book list. You can respond right now. What's top of your list? Or maybe there are several books that you're reading. We're going to put this uh, community book list up on our website uh, just a little later today, upr.org. You can respond to give us your a list at upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Elaine Thatcher joins me in studio. We have talked with Ann Holman at the King's English Bookshop. Coming up, uh, Ken Sanders from Ken Sanders Rare Books. And right now, uh, we continue with Shauna uh, from Central Book Exchange in Sugar House. Uh, Shauna, are you still with us? I am still with you. <laughs> okay. All right. We we have to, uh, to to go to breaking news when it happens. Uh, so I understand. You, you were uh, finishing up with the, the the first book on on your list. Remind us what that book is. Yeah. So it's called "The Hate You Give" um, by Angie Thomas. Uh, like I said, it's young adult, um, and I guess it's kind of even more topical at the moment than I thought. But um, so the 
like I was saying, the young lady in the book, it kind of exists in two worlds, the poor neighborhood where she was born and grew up in and where her family exists, and then she kind of balances that with those fancy suburban prep school that she attends. And this kind of uneasy balance gets shattered when she witnesses her childhood best friend get shot at a routine traffic stop. Um, and his death kind of becomes this national headline, and she has to kind of decide between speaking out and, and trying to help her neighborhood and kind of not become the odd duck out. And I think that it does a, it's very heartbreaking and kind of has to do with like systematic racism and p- police brutality, both of which are unfortunately on in the headlines almost daily nowadays, it seems like. Um, but I think that Angie Thomas does a good job of not making monsters out of anyone in the book, uh, which is because Star's uncle is also a police officer, so she can't just kind of lump them into this bad guy role because she loves her uncle and she kind of has to go between those two feelings. But it's really, it's a great book. I cried a lot. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a great book. Tell us the, the title and author again. The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. Okay. Before you go to your next book, uh, Sean, I want to get this uh, response to a previous book from Steve. Steve says, American Gods has been made into a television series starring Ian McShane as uh, the Norse god Odin, a.k.a. Mr. Wednesday. The first season is great, he says. It aired on either Stars or Showtime. I forget which, he says. Stars. Stars. Okay, and it's available for streaming, so thanks for that, Steve. Um, So, Sean, it sounds like you're familiar with that, that series. Oh, yeah. American Gods is um, one of my favorite books of all time. Um, I didn't read Neil Gaiman until like a year ago, and then I like literally went down this rabbit hole of reading (laughs) all his works in like the span of maybe a few months. Mm. (laughs) And I think that how she described him is very apt. Whenever people come to the store and haven't heard of him, I kind of describe him as like the Tim Burton of like fantasy fiction, because he does a good job of kind of grounding his world in our world that exists, but then kind of bending the rules and making you Mm -hmm. question Mm. what's real and what's not real. But yeah, American Gods is a good one. I also like The Ocean at the End of the Lane, which is kind of a short novella that he did, Uh um, which is great as well. As a folklorist, uh, you know, some of his material appeals to me. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so Lane, I don't know if you, now having read your first Neil Gaiman, are you going to read some more? I will probably try some Mm -hmm. more, yeah. Yeah, okay. We got a recommendation for the second one, I guess, uh, from Shauna there. Uh, Shauna, so so maybe a a couple more recommendations? What what can you recommend for us? So, um, I also read um, Romantic Outlaws by Charlotte Gordon which is a biography about um, Mary Wollstonecraft, who is oh. the British um, feminist uh, kind. She wrote A Vindication of the Rights of Women. Uh, she's kind of like one of the foremost um, feminist um, female writers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and her daughter, Mary Shelley, who we all know wrote Frankenstein, if we were paying attention in our high school English classes. <laughs> um and I love Frankenstein. It's one of my favorite books. I've read it, like, so many times that it's starting to get ridiculous. So when I saw this biography about the two of them, it really intrigued me. Um, but it, it's interesting because um, Mary Wollstonecraft and Mary Shelley um, had very similar traje- trajectories in life, despite the fact that Mary Wollstonecraft died during childbirth. Um, so Mary Shelley only had her as her mother for like 10 days, I think, which is kind of crazy. Um, but they both had awesome, like, kind of, fem- like, they existed in a time where feminism wasn't really a thing, but they kind of did their own way of doing things. And they wrote under, like, pseudonyms because guys wouldn't really read things by female authors back then. So they kind of had to, like, fudge their way around it, which I think is interesting. Um, but yeah, it's a good, it's a great biography. That sounds great. Uh, tell us the uh, the title and author again. Uh, Romantic Outlaws by Charlotte Gordon. Okay, um, that's it's a fun one. Well, yeah. that sounds that they sounds great. They both had equally crazy husbands as well. Okay, kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe one more. What another recommendation? Yeah, 
so uh, another one that I kind of read because of Black History Month was Americana by Jamanda Ngozi Adichie. I think that's how you say it. Hopefully that's how you say it. <laughs> it's funny when you say something in your head so many times, <laughs> but you never really say it out loud. Right, right. <laughs> um, but this one is kind of fitting for Valentine's Day, too, because it's kind of a, um, a love story in a way. Uh, it's about um, two main characters who are young and in love, um, but they exist in a... They live in Nigeria, which is like at a time when it's very policed and stuff, so they kind of leave and head west. Um, they get separated, and they're kind of forced to grapple with being black for the first time in their lives. Um, and then, like, over a 15-year period, they both kind of struggle, and then they kind of return to Nigeria 15 years later and kind of reignite their passion for each other and their homeland um, and their relationship to each other and their homeland, which has kind of changed, but kind of for the better, too. <laughs> that sounds good. But yeah, it's a good one hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, sound like a, a great one. Well, those are some great recommendations. It's uh, great yeah. to talk to you. Uh, I wonder, uh, Sean, if you would uh, send us your, your list. You could add more to the list, and we'll put it on our on our list that we're compiling and put it on our website. And we'll, yeah, of uh, course. We'll, uh, Alyssa will get a hold of you to, to uh, remind you about that. But uh, it's great to have you on. And uh, put yeah. a plug in for Central Book Exchange in Sugar House. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. If you like books and you like supporting local bookstores, come head over. If there, if we have something you're looking for, you'll save money and you'll help support a local bookstore. So it's a win-win. <laughs> okay, Shauna, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Have a great day, you guys. You too. Uh, coming up uh, for shortly, we'll be uh, talking with Ken Sanders from Ken Sanders Rare Books. Uh, we want to get in uh, some more from your list, and uh, you can you can get us your list if you haven't uh, sent that in already to upraxcess at gmail dot com. Upraxcess at gmail dot com. We're going through Elaine's list as well. So Elaine uh, Kyle has uh, recommended The Heroic Slave by Frederick uh, Douglass. Oh yeah, that's very very <clears throat> appropriate. And if and his you, birthday, he he just. He just had his birthday. Yeah. Actually, he you know he chose his birthday because as a slave he didn't know his birthday. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So his birthday was just uh, was it two days ago? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the heroic slave, uh, Frederick Douglass. Kyle says it's a great read, so we'll recommend that. Then uh, I want to read this from Steve. Uh, he's recommending a couple of books. Um, Steve says, in what is surely a sign of the times, I'm reading two political books right now, both about the Trump presidency. The first is Fire and Fury, Michael Wolff's much ballyhooed inside account of the Trump White House. There's been so much publicity surrounding this book, there's probably no need for me to say more. The second is David K. Johnston's It's Even Worse Than You Think, <laughs> What the Trump Administration is Doing to America. Johnston is a Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative journalist who specializes in economics, but has, in addition, a broad range of expertise and topical interests. Each of the chapters addresses a different aspect of Trump's life and presidency, with titles such as Kleptocracy, Rising, and Stalking the Swamp. Amusingly, one of the blurbs on the jacket is from Donald Trump himself. I'll read this. Uh, following this, Steve says parenthetically, I hope you read that quote in your best Trump imitating voice. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Steve. I don't really have a good, a good Trump. So I'll just read it normal. But this is Trump on the j- jacket of this book, apparently. Uh, Trump says, I know the reporter is a weird dude who's been following me for 25 years, so obviously he hasn't done so well. He's been following me in a negative fashion for 25 years. Always a hit. I, and I'm president, so he hasn't done a very good job, end quote. <laughs> so uh, Steve goes on to say this is Johnston's second book about Trump. So Steve recommends uh, Fire and Fury by Michael Wolff and uh, David K. Johnston's It's Even Worse Than You Think What the Trump Administration is Doing uh, to America. Uh, so what's the next couple on your list? Lynn? Well, another Utah book. Uh, it's called No Peace with the Dawn. It's a World War One story set in Cache Valley. Really? Yeah. Well, it yeah. starts in Cache Valley, goes to France, and then comes back mm-hmm. to Cache Valley. Um, this is by E.B. Wheeler, and I can't remember her actual name. This is her pen name. She's a local Cache Valley right. I've, I've heard woman. The, I've heard the pen name, yes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and by, I think his first name is Jeffrey Bateman. Uh, Mr. Bateman was the head of the ROTC program here. It now occurs to me, I think we did a program on that. I think I've interviewed them. Oh, that could be, yeah. Them, yes. um, and I've had them in studio, so I should have recognized this. So <laughs> I apologize to the authors. Yeah. He, um, 
he got his master's in history while he was here heading up the ROTC program. And um, I have to say, uh, I mean, it's a, you can kind of see some of the influences of the two different authors, but it's really pretty smooth. For a, a book with two authors, it's a pretty smooth story. But um, for me, the, uh, the France sections were riveting. Hmm. Um, and uh, Mr. Bateman, I think, uh, has focused on his, some of his historical research on that period. And, um, but then, you know, you have the recognizable landmarks and things that happen in, in Cache Valley that make it enjoyable. So um, it's, uh, it's a lighter weight book uh, in some ways, but uh, brings home some of that what was going on in in this area during that war Mm. and so it's it's an interesting thing to read yeah yeah uh tell us again the title no peace with the dawn by eb wheeler and jeffrey bateman and uh set in right here in cache valley and and in france Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is the centennial year of course of the yes the the end of of world war one yeah Uh, what, what else do you have on your list? Uh, and my third Utah-based author that I read was Ben Bahunin. Some people would pronounce that Bahunin, uh, but I think it's Bahunin. Anyway, he has written, he's a potter in Salt Lake City. And he has written some books uh, about a potter in a little town in Pennsylvania. And I would say they're very earnest books and they're um, a little preachy at times, but Something kept me reading this book, you know, uh, maybe it was the story, but it was, the book I read was Remembering Isaac, the Wise and Joyful Potter of Niederbip, which is a made-up name of a village in, in Pennsylvania. And it's, it's fairly unbelievable, but like I say, I, I didn't stop reading, so mm. um, there was something about it that I... Yeah. That I liked. Uh, tell us again the, the title. Remembering Isaac, the Wise and Joyful Potter of Niederbip. Okay. So it's not great literature, but, you know, something that you might enjoy just for a light read. Okay. And again, a Utah author. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Um, let's see. Before we, I believe we have uh, Ken Sanders on on the line. Before we go to him, uh, another from our another couple from our listeners. Uh, first up, Catherine uh, says she's reading Radio Free Vermont by Bill McKibben. And uh, anything by Bill McKibben sounds yep, very interesting. Yep. Radio Free Vermont by Bill McKibben <laughs> is what Catherine recommends. And then Janelle says, hi, Tom, love these kind of radio programs. My favorite book of the last several years is The Orphan Master's Son by Adam Johnson. The book won the Pulitzer uh, Prize for Fiction in 2012, but it's a wonderful and thoughtful book into the inner workings of North Korea. Very timely. Helps me understand the current situation. Also, I just finished The Book of Dust by Philip Pullman, the new prequel to his Dark Materials series. My opinion is I'd be boring and weird. It'd be boring and weird if you haven't read The Golden Compass. But if you love Lyra, you'll love this book. Thanks for all you do. That's Janelle. So she's recommending The Orphan Master's Son by Adam Johnson and uh, The Book of Dust by Philip Pullman, new prequel to the Dark Materials series. What have you read, Tom? Um, I haven't been doing much reading lately. <laughs> I recently got uh, Amazon Prime. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, yeah, suck you down another rabbit me, hole. And yes. I, I love, 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 squared, cubed, the, uh, the, the older series Psych. Mm-hmm. It's about a smart aleck, pre- mm-hmm. pretend psychic. Mm-hmm. It's just the sensibility I love. <laughs> and I'm now in season seven. So that's so the, that's no the rabbit hole. That's the rabbit hole I've been going down. So it may be a guilty pleasure there. But I would highly recommend uh, if you want some classics for Valentine's Day, um, you know, go and read Pride and Prejudice. Oh, yeah. Uh, or Absolutely. Persuasion. Yes. Both of Jane Austen or Jane Eyre. Mm-hmm. Those okay. are some very romantic books. And I, I promise I'll do some reading for next program. But uh, <laughs> I have been I have been continuing my Civil War uh, reading. So I, I continue to read uh, Grant mm-hmm. by Ron Chernow. And um, at, uh, let's see, another couple of books on the uh, on the Civil War. So I'm continuing to read those. Great. Until Good to I, hear Until I finish. Anyway, uh, Ken Sanders is, uh, is on the line from Ken Sanders Rare Books in Salt Lake City. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Um, you're welcome. Uh, happy Ides of February. Yes, yeah. yes. Happy Ides of February. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand, uh, Ken Sanders, you you have uh, some poems for us. Uh, 
I'm not hearing you well. well oh, I'm sorry. Did I understand you have some poems? That's better. The, the, can you hear me uh, now? Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I know we're a day late for Valentine's, but uh, I thought we'd stick with the, you know, love poetry. And there's, I mean, we have all these great American love poets, uh, though some of them might raise your eyebrows. I mean, certainly some of the great love poems of all time have been written by Edgar Allan Poe and Emily Dickinson and Walt Whitman, all, all our own. And, of mm-hmm. course, we go across the pond, Alfred Lord Tennyson, Robert and Elizabeth Barrett Browning, some of the greatest love poets of all time. And, of course, we can take it back to Shakespeare if we want to. But I would submit to you that I think the greatest American love poet and one of the most genius poets of our time was Edward Estlin Cummings, who always went by, of course, e. E. lowercase E.E. E. Yeah. E. Cummings. Uh-huh. His, either his selected poems or his complete poems, uh, they'll knock you out. Some of his love poems, I think it would make me blush on the radio to even read them. <laughs> so E.E. So e. Cummings. I hadn't thought of him as a love poet. So the, oh, uh, love, appreciate love Stars and Whiskers. Yes, yeah. he is. All right, I'll check it uh, out. But, and then I, we have to get in, and I, if we have time to do two, I'll read one of them. But we have to get in our not only our Utah's own, but our Cash Valley own, poets, Mae Swenson, who has an entire collection of her many 20-some-odd volumes of poems devoted just to love poetry. Uh, She is is one of the most widely anthologized poets in America, and she is a Logan, Utah native. That's right. Uh, As as was the uh, late Ken Brewer, who was uh, a, a, a former Utah Poet Laureate, and he also had spent a lifetime teaching writing and poetry at Utah State University in Logan. And he is is also a great, great poet. His very last volume of poetry that Ken and I conspired to publish together while he was dying of pancreatic cancer, and he knew he would never live to see the book, is called Whale Song, A Poet's Journey Into Cancer. And that may be another odd candidate for love poems, but I tell you what, there are love poems in there. In Ken Brewer's Dying, he taught us how to how to die and how to live. Yeah, mm-hmm. what wonderful poet. Yeah, and you're right, Cash Valley's own. And you know, yeah. my father, I mentioned one night, he's, he's long gone now, but I mentioned one night that I was going up to campus for a May Swenson event, yeah. and he said, May Swenson... My Mace Winston, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. and he said, he said we used to write poetry together <laughs> in, in college. <laughs> you hadn't known this, Elaine, no. I guess, yeah. he, he didn't go on to be a great poet. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, she certainly. Did. Yeah, she did. Yes, yeah. she did. Yeah. What, what else can so, you recommend, Ken? Well, mm. I, I want to read one now. Okay. okay yes. It's, it's post Valentine, right? It, it and, is. And yes. Of all the poets I've mentioned, I didn't mention this one. But I'm going to read, I think it has a lot to do with what's been going on in this country for the past year or so, a lot to do with the Me Too movement, a lot to do with women, and a lot to do with love and uh, dating. Uh, The name of the poem is My Date with Wonder Woman, and it's by Bucky Sinister. Uh, It's from his collection, All Blacked Out and Nowhere to Go. Uh, It's a little unusual. So bear with me. My date with Wonder Woman. After a long, dry dating drought, I placed a personal ad. Single white male, 33, seeks independent woman of action. Imagine a movie in which Pam Greer saves the day and gets the man in the end. You should be Pam Greer, and I will be that man. I will be your backseat, Betty, as we ride off into the sunset on your Indian motorcycle. So I waited. I heard from the polyamorous Wiccan, then from the satanic performance artist who was really into blood play, then the beautiful art school girl who said my picture was hot and her boyfriend thought so too and wanted to have a threesome that I should be willing to sign a release form for the digital video they would make of it. I was about to cancel my account, give up completely, when I get an, got in a response from wwoman at justiceleague.com. <laughs> I think I'm the woman for you, she said. I'm of Greek descent, but grew up in Brazil. I moved here as an adult, and as I am very busy and very successful,
successful in my career. I don't have a lot of time to meet men. Sounded good to me. I emailed her my number. She called me. It sounded really noisy. Are you calling from your car, I asked. No, she said. I'm calling from my plane. So, so you're on a flight and calling from that white phone attached to the seat? No, she said. It's my plane. I'm flying it. I use it for work. But we can talk about that later. I'll be in town tonight. Let's go to dinner. When she showed up, I was stunned. She was built like a 1940s pinup model with this more innocent Betty Page kind of retro look. She ordered the steak rare and ate it casually while she regaled me with tales of adventure. We got along famously, and after dinner, she invited me to her place for a nightcap. Um, sorry, I'll turn the page. Okay. Pardon. I've seen... <clears throat> One sec. <laughs> you can't leave us hanging like I'm, this, Ken. I'm, I'm totally... I, I'm holding a phone in one hand and the book in the other. So <laughs> the, the, the suspense is killing us. There we go. So, okay, to finish. So as she's making drinks, I'm checking out her library. Mostly books on criminal law and true crime. Not really my thing. Next to the books are pictures of runways and airport hangars with nothing else in them. What's with these pictures, I asked. Those, she said, are my plane. Then she laughed and said, my plane is invisible. I'm the only one who can see it. There had to be something. I can't fall for a sane woman. I'd put up with JFK, conspiracy theorists, believers of fairies and elves, new agers who read auras, and girls who think Morrissey is singing about them. But I have never put up with an imaginary plane. Look, Wanda, I said, it's getting late and I have to get going. It's not Wanda, she said. Oh, forget it. I'll call you, I said, turning for the door. But then I stopped, unable to move. I looked down. There was a rope around me. <laughs> Wanda had lassoed me. She pulled me close. You don't have to call me, she hissed in my face. <laughs> don't say you're going to call if you're not going to. You don't have to call me. The only thing you have to do is tell me the truth. <laughs> My Date with Wonder Woman by Bucky Sinister. I love it. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's wonderful. My pleasure. We're just about out of time. Uh, is there any any other, other anything else you'd like to recommend, Ken? I, there's such a whole world of books. I yeah. mean, I just... Um, Anthony Doerr is, is not a new writer. I've just have been reading a collection, early collection of his short stories uh, that did the beautiful, beautiful novel, All the Light You Cannot See. Yeah, it's a wonderful One of the book. best novels I've read in recent mm -hmm. years. Yeah, mm -hmm. I had a great pleasure. And there's a new Shel Silverstein out, even though he's uh, dead. Yeah, yeah. Although those are Running wonderful Babbitt recommendations. Returns. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ken, Ken, it's been such a pleasure, and thanks so much for sharing Thank that you. poem. That's, that's wonderful. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. Uh, well, I don't, I don't do normal guys. Yeah, <laughs> and we're and we're grateful for that. Uh, Ken Sanders, Ken Sanders, rare books in Salt Lake. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Bye bye. Uh, let's just get in before the the top of the hour. Uh, here's from Glenn. Glenn says, "Here's what I've been reading: Pop History, The Ascent of Money." Uh, Neil Ferguson, very interesting book uh, uh, at the history of money, finance, bonds, insurance, and lending. The Ascent of Money by Neil Ferguson, uh, published around 2009. The book had an interesting look into the global finance crisis as well. The uh, next book he recommends is White Trash, Nancy Eisenberg, an in-depth look at the 400-year history of class in America, beginning with the American colonies. Under the heading of fiction, Mayfly by Jeff Sweat. I'm not a big fan, he says, of dystopian novels. This one was written by a good friend of mine, Shameless Plug, and is a good read. I fully expect it to become a Netflix series in the future. This is one of my favorite show topics. Have a great day, Glenn. And then this comes in from Chris. Hi, Tom. Listening to the program today featuring Central Book Exchange and Sugar House. I wonder if your listeners are aware of a similar locally owned used bookstore in Logan that has thousands of books, Becky's Bookshelf. 
29 West, 100 North in Logan. All right. So put in a plug for Becky's Bookshelf in Logan. And this from a friend, our own friend here at UPR. He says he's reading Mark Cushman's um, biography, Volume 1 of the Moody Blues, Long Distance Voyagers, The Story of the Moody Blues, 1965 to 1979, Volume 1, abridged. It's 800-plus pages, <laughs> and uh, he highly recommends it. So if you're into the Moody Blues, that would uh, be a great book for uh, to read. We have about a minute left, Elaine. Another title, perhaps? Well, I'm... Uh I'm currently reading 3001, The Final Odyssey. <laughs> okay. I happened upon um, uh, the broadcast of 2001 uh, Space Odyssey movie um, not too long ago, and I watched that and was reminded of Hal, you know, and all those things that happened in that movie and um, started looking and actually found that there are a couple sequel books. And so um, I'm reading 3001, and it, Actually, believe it or not, it's a thousand years later, but there are characters you'll recognize in there. Okay. Um, and we'll have Elaine's full list up on our website, upr.org. Your recommendations as well on our booksellers, uh, you'll be able to use that as a resource and uh, maybe read something that you hadn't considered. I'll be continuing to finish up my Civil War books. I'll be finishing up Psych here pretty soon, and then I'll be bereft. I'm, I'll not know what to do. Probably have to go back to uh, reading uh, some some great books. Yep, that's it's right. Always a good fallback position. Uh, uh, thanks, Elaine. Appreciate it so much. Thank you. It's always fun. And uh, thanks to you for listening. And you can still get your book in at upraccess at gmail dot com. Thanks for listening today.